Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome, welcome, welcome. You are listening to the Breaking Free Podcast, brought to you by Grow with Franklin. Experience the Franklin Effect, where together we help people. I want to thank all the support and encouragement that we have received on route to launching this podcast. We are striving to do our part in changing lives and saving families and in defeating addiction in all forms. Various sponsorship opportunities will be coming down the pike so you can stake your position and stance in helping us defeat addiction. So for today's show, we will be interviewing Jonathan Gay of the Addiction Recovery Care or the ARC Center. A little background on Jonathan. Jonathan is an attorney and serves as a director of external affairs and deputy legal counsel um, for, uh, for the Addiction Recovery Care or ARC Center. He currently works as the liaison between Kentucky's judicial system and the ARC staff and works to ensure clients' legal needs can be met while they're in treatment. He also does public outreach and serves as the company's attorney where needed. Jonathan has a philosophy that everyone has a God-given destiny and loves to see men and women in recovery, uh, likes to uh, see men and women in recovery find abundant life after addiction. He believes the key to helping ARC's clients with their legal issues is for ARC to have a timely and effective communication and collaboration with our judicial system. He also believes addiction treatment creates opportunities for communities and strives to find viable partnerships within the region. So without further ado, I'd like to bring on John. So, John, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ryan. Glad to be on it. How's, the, how's it going for you down there in Kentucky? It's good. It's a um, challenging time. You know, we're growing, and so that, that creates opportunities, but that also creates challenges, and we're, we're just excited and, and pleased to be doing the work that we're doing. Well, that's, that's terrific. So I want to thank you first and foremost for coming on the podcast. We appreciate you taking your time to uh, share your story to help give hope to others and just to learn from your story and hopefully inspire others. So I guess let's get right into it. I'm sorry, say that again, Ryan. I was just saying uh, thank you for joining the show and um, sharing your story so that perhaps we can hopefully help inspire others and give them something to hope for. Um, let's start off by I just wanted to ask you what got you into a uh, you know what got you into working with addiction recovery. Uh, I started practicing law in 2002, and I went to work with a fairly high-profile criminal defense attorney, and I, I did that for a couple of years, and then I took a little a slightly different trajectory, went to work at a regional university, Moorhead State University and began doing business consulting for small businesses, economic development. And so while I did that at MSU, I could a small amount of cases with the public defender's office to keep my legal skills current. And so I would do criminal defense, and simultaneously I was out in the community working with small businesses, consulting with small businesses. One of the businesses that I had the opportunity to help was a small business that had been created by a law school classmate of mine, a gentleman by the name of Tim Robinson, who himself was, was in recovery, and he started Addiction Recovery Care. And so I watched his growth. I was one of the many consultants that worked and helped him over the years grow that company. 
And so last year I actually made the switch to addiction recovery care where I handle a lot of community engagement, but I also try to help with the legal system in terms of making sure that our clients are properly represented or doing what they need to do to meet court obligation and communicating with the court, et cetera. So I've had sort of a dual trajectory that finally came together at Addiction Recovery Care. Well, that's, I find that fascinating. Um, me, myself, um, I have some ties to uh, you know, people that I know of that I care about that uh, have fought addiction, uh, currently fighting addiction. And to me, that's actually what started my passion into, you know, bringing um, my profession into, into helping others uh, uh, find recovery uh, that are struggling with addiction. So uh, for those that are listening, I, want, I was kind of wondering if you would share some of your experiences working with some of the individuals, uh, um, you know, on a daily basis, what you experience with them and, you know, their ups and downs going through recovery. The thing that I see, the experiences that I've had is first, hope is on the horizon. You can recover, but it's not easy. And so you mm-hmm. have to surround individuals with the kind of support they need. You have to gradually, it's almost like peeling back an onion. Uh, you know, you have to pull these layers and layers and layers off in order to allow the person to uh, to recover. Uh, I found that Job training is vital. I have found that faith is crucial. You have to provide someone with the faith in order to get through because our philosophy is you can't do it on your own. We, we are very much a faith-centered company. Um, and so you have to give them all this support and all this love in order for folks to actually make it. Yeah, I, I, I noticed you said hope, and I have always found that to be one of the – like I got like vital uh, virtues to hang on to um, at times that I, I've seen that hope. I mean, not diminish, but fade in the distance when, uh, when they're struggling through the, through the process of recovery. Have you, have you noticed any other challenges that have stood in the way of recovery that you've helped uh, a lot of these individuals fight through and um, get, get, get over? What I've found is you have to tie hope. Hope has to be tangible. And so what Addiction Recovery Mm -hmm. Care has done very well is we've provided job opportunities on the foreseeable horizon for these individuals. So we try to tie job training to available jobs so that we're not just simply spinning our wheels and getting people um, certificates, but we're actually getting them jobs. And so they're able to come in and they're able to see people that they may have even served in treatment with who were farther along actually go to work for the company, actually go to work for mm-hmm. other companies. And so that, I find, is the crucial piece. You have to tie hope to something tangible, something foreseeable. Well, that, that makes a lot of sense because when you think of uh, addiction recovery, um, something that comes to mind now is uh, there was a popular Netflix series called uh, – uh, the Haunting of Hill House, and one of the main characters uh, was in addiction recovery. And uh, the way they portrayed him was as a junkie that was in and out of uh, rehab, uh, getting treatment, doing the group therapy. But they never really showed the process of what he would be working towards. And I find it very inspiring that you are not necessarily giving them a certificate at the end of the program, but 
giving them something to hope for in terms of a better life. Because I think that's what they all want when they go into addiction recovery. They want what everyone else has, and that's to be able to live a normal functioning life. And that's the, I guess that's the difficult goal that they all work hard towards, and especially those that are helping them get to it. And I, I find that very inspiring and something that I never really considered. Um, do you um, do you typically have, uh, how long does it typically take for your patients to, uh, I mean, from the time they walk in through that door until they finally find um, peace through recovery? How long does it normally take them in, in your experience? Well, we have a model called Crisis to Career, and we have a, we, we tie that to a specific program. And so we have a number of phases, phase one, two, three, and four. And so an individual will come in almost always to our center. They are in a, they are in a crisis. And very often they're coming to us straight from a jail. And so we'll have an individual who is transported from a Kentucky jail to one of our centers by sheriff's deputy, and we will begin loving that person. We begin treating that person. We treat across four different dimensions. We treat clinically. We treat medically. We treat with faith and with hope. And finally, we treat vocationally. And so it can take up to a year. It generally takes a year for a person to work through all those phases. And then at the end of that year, we've hired quite a few of those individuals. In fact, Addiction Recovery Care, we employ 500 or so individuals. And nearly half of those individuals are in recovery themselves, but nearly a third. So we're talking about around 150 or so individuals have actually come into our program, in many cases from a jail cell, and now they're employed with us. And they're not just employed with us at doing menial-type work. They're employed with us as directors, as assistant directors, as assistant chief of staff. And so they are able to generally make that career progression. But generally, you come into our center, and it, it'll take 12 months for you to be full-time employed but what we do in the meanwhile is after you've been employed, after you've been treated with us for around 60 or so days, we start them on what we, we call an internship. And so they're able to begin putting a little bit of money in their pocket. And they're able to continue living with us, and continue treating. And so it gives them some gradual hope as they're moving. Well, <clears throat> we are currently being joined by Jonathan Gay. He is an attorney and serves as the, dif- uh, the director of external affairs and Deputy Legal Counsel, uh, counsel for the ARC Center in Kentucky. So, um, obviously, we've talked about the good and the good that, um, you know, uh, what, you know, the good that ARC Center provides. Have you seen typically uh, uh, patients, I guess, rejecting and, uh, at the onset the treatment they're receiving and kind of like having any difficulties or like are there any roadblocks that they face when they first enter the program? Certainly, you know, the, the, the obstacle that you that you have to overcome first is will the individual decide to stay because they, they may come to us from a jail cell, but they are staying with us voluntarily or they are leaving voluntarily, even though there may be some legal consequences to their departure, they're free to leave. So you have to be able to get them to, to stay and unfortunately, um, absconding, AMA, we call it, against medical advice. Is a, is a common recurrence in this business. Uh, relapse is a common recurrence. However, we also have seen people relapse and come back into our centers and, and get the hope they need. 
So you see that as a challenge. I think another challenge that you face is you have folks who go through the process and they get so close to that recovery and they get impatient, Ryan, and they, they want to leave or they want to, you know, the things aren't moving quickly enough. So you've got to work with them to try to help them untangle many of these issues that may be holding them back. So for example, driver's license issues, uh, related to criminal offenses, financial issues. In some cases, they're married to someone that's still in the madness. In some cases, they're married to someone that's incarcerated or they haven't seen in years, and they don't know where they are. So you have to you have to gradually work through and untangle these issues in order for the person to succeed. And and you're fighting against their impatience. And and of course, what I try to remind many of these folks is, you know. You don't have, unfortunately, a, a vast amount of options. If you if you go back home, especially in rural Kentucky, then are you going to have the family support that would allow you to move faster than maybe you feel like you, you should be moving here? So those are, are some of the challenges that we work with. Another challenge I think we run into, Ryan, is the court system. But we'll sometimes have an individual come to us per a court order and they're doing really well, and we want to see them continue, but they, they simply came while the, their case was being resolved, and it, it takes a while to resolve a criminal case. And so at the conclusion of that criminal case, often the judge will say, okay, I, you know, I appreciate the fact that you've gone through treatment. However, it's, it's my opinion that as a judge, you should go to jail. And so when that happens, it's so difficult for the client and so difficult for those of us as staff poured their heart into recovering. We poured so much into them and then you see them have to go into custody and it's just heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Wow. This is a very inspiring conversation for me. Um, I've always admired those that uh, dedicated their vocation and their lives and their careers to helping people find recovery because I know it's really tough. It's tough, for the people, it's tough for everyone that's involved, and especially the family members. So right now, the one thing that I've always noticed in terms of people that seek recovery is, first of all, the commitment to, to begin, to actually seek the treatment. Um, have you noticed uh, in, uh, in your experience that was it mostly family members or loved ones that are reaching out to you, or is it actually the individuals themselves that are looking out, uh, reaching out to you for that help? Because that's really important for, I feel, uh, my listeners to really understand that, um, uh, you know, like who's, res- like who's been, you know, typically responsible for making that decision um, from your experiences, that is. Yeah, that's a great question. Un- unfortunately, my experiences have been that someone else has to open that door for the person to get treatment. Um, now, if they're incarcerated, many times they recognize that this is something that they need to do. But even so, it, it almost takes someone suggesting that to them, or it takes a family member in the first place to say to the individual, you have to get treatment. And usually, Ryan, we found that there have to be consequences behind that. It can't be simply, honey, you should go. I really want you to go. Uh, what we have in Kentucky is what's known as the Casey Law, and it's, it's essentially the same as a mental health confinement. If an individual is a danger to himself or herself or society, 
a judge can actually order that person to go to treatment under the threat of, of contempt if they refuse to go. So a person could be brought before a judge and told you either go to treatment or I'm going to hold you in contempt of court and I'm going to put you in jail for 30 days. I do find that it takes someone else to open that door and to lead that person in addiction to that door. Families that are listening have to understand that you cannot enable your son or daughter or your, your spouse or, or whoever and, um, and, and expect that they'll, they'll get treatment because they just they simply will not. You have, I've found that you have to initiate that for them. Wow. Um, I'm going to bounce back to something you said a little bit earlier, but I, find, I found it really profound. You mentioned faith being a major component to ha- helping your, your patients find recovery. Can you share a little bit more about that? And I, I consider myself a faithful person, and um, I understand a lot of people that are listening may not hold faith or have faith, but it is something that is important to a lot of people, so I will not ignore that. And I was wondering if you would share a little bit more about how you uh, apply that to your treatment and how your patients have responded to it. It, it absolutely is, is crucial to us as well. Um, a little bit of background, our founder, uh, Tim Robinson, um, was an assistant county attorney who was a functioning alcoholic, a barely functioning alcoholic, who had a faith experience at the county prosecutor's desk. A bailiff, Tim, was nearly suicidal, and the bailiff led him to accept Christ, and he, he in that transition realized that his life how awful his life had become and and how he needed to change and so we have always had that core focus on promoting faith on promoting a higher power we're we're christian centered uh we don't try to push it down people's throat we we believe in a god that's loving a god that's forgiving a God that doesn't care what you've done in the past, a God that simply wants you to recover. And so that's our approach, and we, we love these folks back. We very much try to reintegrate them into the community, so we take them to church services. Um, we take them to volunteer at the local soup kitchen. And, and through that process, not only are they exposed to faith, but they're exposed to love, and they're exposed to acceptance. So Many of these folks come to our church once or twice a month, and they'll come to our church, and they're suddenly, they suddenly find that, that people who had shunned them for years, the kind of individuals who would run from them when they would see them coming into Walmart or run from them if they saw them coming down the street towards them, are suddenly embracing them and hugging them and telling them, we're, we're glad you're here. We love you. you know, let us get you a cup of coffee. Would you like another donut? And so I think that is the essence of what ARC does. It's promote a loving, faithful God, a God of forgiveness and a God of restoration. Wow. And like I said, this is not necessarily a podcast that's geared towards faith, but in my own practice with my own business, I, I wanted to find a way to my brothers and sisters because that is serving the Lord. So I feel what you guys are doing is, personifying that and really bringing that into action and really bringing that into society. And I think that's a really important component into making our world, for lack of better terms, a better place. So do you have a message for those out there that know somebody that's dealing with addiction in all forms, whether it be alcohol or 
uh, drugs or even pornography and what type of help there is out there for them and for those that um, are struggling with these things, you know, what can they do um, and what is your message for them? My message for those that are in addiction is that there is hope on the horizon, that there are companies out there that will provide the kind of treatment that you need. There are organizations that will provide the long-term hope that you need. You have to be patient. You have to work through the process, but there is hope. Um, My message to families that are dealing with this from the standpoint of having a loved one that's in the madness is you have to be so conscious of what you are doing to enable them and you have to be the person to instigate treatment. It is highly unlikely that, in in my experience, it, it is at least more unlikely than it is likely that the person will seek treatment on, on their own. So you have to be the one to initiate that. Well, wow. thank you so much. This has been a really inspiring segment. Um, and these, this interview and other interviews like that are what you can find here on the Breaking Free podcast, where we interview people that help other individuals that are going through addiction, as well as those that have fought through addiction and found recovery. In the upcoming weeks, we'll be talking to various people that have stories to tell with messages of hope and inspiration. Jonathan, I want to thank you for joining us today. Um, is there anything you, um, you know, thank you for your time. Is there anything you want to promote or do you want to talk a little bit more about uh, what you guys are doing and how they can reach the ARC centers if um, there's any of your services that could be applicable to people in your region that do need that help? Yes, certainly. Well, Ryan, thank you for having us on. It was really exciting to to be a part of this. My cell phone, I'll make it publicly available, is 859-797-5759. Anyone that's interested in having a conversation with me, I encourage you to to text me and I will get in touch with you and, and we'll have a conversation uh, especially if you're in Kentucky we can we can likely help we're looking to move into other states we've recently been approved for Ohio um, so we've had some conversations with West Virginia we, we welcome the opportunity to collaborate and to to partner with individuals because for us it truly is about crisis to career how can we take someone from that crisis of addiction and bring them to a healthy, abundant life by finding a career for them. Uh, You can find us on the web at arccenters.com. That's A-R-C-C-E-N-T-E-R-S.com, and thank you for having us on. Thank you so much, and we have launched this podcast, and I I feel that we launched it with a bang. You were the perfect first guest that we've had, and I look forward to more stories like that, and I'd love to keep in touch with you and. Uh, as we move forward with this podcast, because I I feel that there will always be stories to tell and more people to reach. Please do, and and we have a we have a host of individuals who, you know, I'm someone who is an observer, and I'm someone who gets to assist folks. But we have a, a dozens, if not hundreds, of individuals in our company that have recovered, that are in the process of recovering, Ryan. So we would love to get some of those folks on, let them share their stories, because some of these stories are just mind-boggling, what, what these individuals have gone through and, and the restoration in their lives that they've had. And that's, what I, and that's what I feel that I'm called to do, and I want to have them have a platform to tell their stories. And, uh, Jonathan, this will not be the last time we talk. I definitely believe that we will meet again sometime, and we'll definitely be out there to help people and 
I really feel that we're on that same path to do so. Thank you, Ryan, for what you're doing. All right. You have a good day. We'll talk to you very soon. Okay. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. So thanks for joining us today on the Breaking Free podcast. I felt that we had a really good conversation with Jonathan. You can hear this podcast on all the on all the major networks, networks, on all the major distribution hubs, uh, Google, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Uh, we're on Spotify. Apple Podcasts is being a little stingy, but I'm pretty sure we'll get on there very shortly. Remember, sponsorship opportunities uh, will be coming down the pike. Um, this first episode is brought to you by Grow with Franklin, where data-driven marketing solutions supporting all businesses is available to help using data to help people connect with people. Um, so thank you for joining us today. Um, I really appreciate uh, Jonathan Gay of the ARC Center for joining us today and um, sharing his story with us. Be sure to check out our episode next week. Uh, I haven't quite lined that up. I have a couple people that I'm trying to schedule, but as soon as I figure that out, I will definitely let you guys know. So stay tuned. Please follow us on Facebook. Look us up at Franklin Strategic LLC on Facebook, on Instagram, and Twitter. We are at Grow with Franklin with one W. You can find more information about the podcast there. My name is Ryan Esterninos signing off for the Breaking Free Podcast.